Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Everyone experiences trials. 2020 has been one big trial for the entire world, heaped on top of all of our other trials. How do we cope? Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the sermon, A Life of Holy Uncertainty. I want to talk about today how to live a life of holy uncertainty and how do we really have a Merry Christmas when things go wrong. How do we have a Merry Christmas at a time when things seem so uncertain? Today I want to talk to you about how to live a great life, a holy life in a season of uncertainty, whether physical uncertainty or emotional or economic uncertainty. So let's read our Bible together. It's part of the Christmas story. It's in the first chapter of Matthew, beginning with verse 18. So here we go. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Okay, amen. This is the word of the Lord, praise be to God. Now the title of this sermon is A Life of Holy Uncertainty. Holy Uncertainty. A phrase author pastor John Mark Comer highlighted for me recently as a phrase the mystics of old would use. It can mean many things to many people. For me, holy uncertainty means living through the seasons of doubt, despair, or confusion in a way that the holiness of God becomes stronger, more present, more sustaining, so we can become stronger. Now, let's look at our passage for the morning. Again, Joseph is a God-fearing, law-abiding man. He's a good man, a righteous man, a man of integrity. He asks for Mary's hand, proposes to her. She says yes. He honors her, he loves her, and as a man of honor, he does not have physical intimacy with her before they get married. Joseph lived a proper life, and then he discovers that his fiancée is pregnant. Now let's unpack this one startling revelation. My fiancée is pregnant, and I'm not the father. Bam! His whole world falls apart. 
Imagine his feelings, his mind reeling with doubts. I thought Mary wouldn't do that. I, I was going to marry her because I thought she would be loyal. And then comes this avalanche of questions. How could she be unfaithful to me? What will people say? This is embarrassing, humiliating. How will people treat me? How will they treat her? His whole world is now imploding, maybe exploding. Back then, being engaged to someone is like being married. It's not a trial run that could be broken. It's a firm commitment. It was not only that way in the Jewish culture, but true today for other cultures like some nations in Africa. To break off an engagement is like getting a divorce. And that's why our passage is often translated using the word divorce when it said that Joseph was considering to put her away. You'll see that in other translations. Now, it's a serious break. Part of a season of uncertainty is that the very foundations that you thought were absolute are now shaken and you are flipped to the floor as if someone pulled the rug out from under you or it feels like you were thrown down to the ground by a thug. Maybe like Shane Millard who shared in the advent candle lighting, out of the blue comes a heart attack and he's even at a church meeting. That's how many of us are feeling right now. With all of the change we have had because of the election or coronavirus or the issues of a tough marriage or financial difficulty or feeling cooped up in our homes and videoed out from being on the screen too much, we can feel that there's been too much change, too much uncertainty. We want stability. But then now you have a medical issue or some in our church have lost loved ones. A few days ago, I did a funeral for a friend who died of COVID, and his wife has COVID. In two weeks, I do a funeral for the, the parents, both parents of a church member who have died of coronavirus. Tremendous upheaval. And we so much want the strength that comes from God in times of uncertainty. We don't want a, a useless, debilitating uncertainty, but we want a holy uncertainty where somehow in our core we experience a stable, sustaining presence of the holy God himself. But here's what blocks it. It's a bit of what Joseph might have felt. We can feel a self-righteous, and we express that by saying or thinking in the midst of trials, after all I've done, why am I suffering? Why am I feeling so alone and confused? I live a good life. I follow the rules. I give to the church. Why are things going so crazy for me? And maybe that is what Joseph is thinking. Hey, I prayed for the right spouse. I honored her. I withheld my sexual emotions to do the right thing, the <coughs> holy thing. And so why am I suffering right now? Why is my world crashing in? Friends, the question of why me is not a helpful prayer. Now, it's a good prayer in one sense because it can be your honest feeling. So it is good always to share your honest feelings with God. But in the long run, a prayer life of, why me, Lord, why me, will hinder a life of holy uncertainty. Why? 
because it could lead to self-pity and a wrongful self-righteousness. After all I've done for God, I give money, I'm nice to my kids, I sometimes donate my second-hand clothes to the poor, I belong to a lot of community groups, so why should I suffer when I have a stockpile, a plethora, a mountain of merit badges that God should recognize right now? The fact is, bad things happen to good people. It rains on the just and the unjust. And we live not in a world of karma where if I do good, only good comes to me. Actually, as Christians, be glad that we don't get what we deserve. And that's God's grace. God's response to us is fortunately not what we deserve, especially after how humanity is always going to war and screwing up our planet and killing to the point of extinction of many species. In a life of holy uncertainty, we realize that no matter how good we are, how law-abiding we are, we will suffer injustices. If it happened to Jesus, why do we think we'll be exempt from that? Complaining that we have lived such a good life actually exacerbates or frustrates us when we are in a season of uncertainty and keeps us from holiness. It can increase our whining rather than our winning with God against losing odds. Earlier, I mentioned John Mark Comer. He's a pastor in Portland and an author. His latest book is titled, We Don't Know What's Going to Happen and That's Okay, Living in Holy Uncertainty. And John Mark speaks of other hindrances to living at this time of holy uncertainty. He talks about how people tend to want to control everything in their lives. We can be control freaks. So when uncertainty comes upon us, it is we who freak out. You know, in the pre-COVID days, I was in this rhythm of, do, of how I do sermons. I would write a complete draft by Monday, polish it up on Thursday and Friday, and by Saturday, I was pretty ready, and then one more run through Sunday morning, memorizing much of it, making final notes before I would walk into the sanctuary. That was my discipline for decades. Then the weekend, COVID, became oppressive in Hawaii back in March, and in-person worship suddenly got shut down. I wasn't scheduled to preach, but I felt I should give the sermon as the senior pastor, and it was Friday, the things got shut down, and so Saturday morning, I had to go in front of the camera to record the message with no preparation at all. Hope you did notice. It was good, right? It was okay. Talk about uncertainty. Now, good thing, as a former TV news reporter, I was used to the concept of late-breaking news and jumping in front of a camera with no notes. Now, with COVID, my whole schedule has gotten flipped, and the way I prepare and study is all topsy-turvy because now I have to be ready way earlier. I have to record four days before the Sunday it is aired, so we would have time to edit it and record the songs and prayers and segues before Sunday. And that was a lot of change for us. We weren't sure how the first services were going to go, talk about uncertainty, and if you're a highly controlling person this COVID season, it's going to be really hard for you because you can't control it. 
Now, I tend to be a high J on the Myers-Briggs test, if you know what that means, which means I like order. And now I have to work hard on kind of going with the flow. Back to poor Joseph. What can we learn? What was he to do? The blessing of a time of uncertainty is that it puts us squarely in the center of this reality. We can't control everything. That's the reality. We're not smart enough, not wise enough, physically strong enough to fully protect us on uh, protect us or our country. We need the holy presence of God. It's not Pfizer that makes us wiser. Oh, that was such a good joke. Anyway, only God can help us. I'll take the vaccine when it is available, but the vaccine will not be the basis for my peace. That will have to come from God. It is he who will allow me to sleep at night. As Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. Wow. And sure enough for Joseph, God led him in the right path. God intervened through a dream where an angel told Joseph that Mary's child is not of human origin, but from God, and that baby will be called Emmanuel, God with us. That child is the fulfillment of prophecies. That child is the Messiah. In a period of holy uncertainty, I believe we can be closer to God than ever. I believe he will talk to us. He will set our paths straight. And if we listen, we will understand life better and what we must do in our predicaments. If you read carefully today's story, you see some amazing things. First, Joseph believed the dream. He believed God intervened. He recognized the dream was from God. Second, Joseph obeyed. Third, Joseph continued to be disciplined in doing the right thing. He did not divorce Mary. He protected her. And I would say it is amazing to me that after the angel talked to him, that he was still not physically intimate with Mary as long as she was pregnant. That took a lot of discipline, and I admire him for that. The fact that there was a divine dream meant once again God, the king of the universe, had one more move. In Joseph's greatest dilemma and confusion, God moved and spoke to him through an angel. A season of uncertainty, I believe, is a time when a lot of bad things can be rinsed out of us, drained from us. It's, it's a time to jettison the junk. It's a rare opportunity to do a ruthless inventory of our lives, of what needs to be disassociated or disengaged or detached. It can be a time to undo, unhook, unhitch from something that was probably holding us down. Like, did we really have to watch seven hours of sports every weekend? Do we have to smoke? Do we have to drink that much? Do we have to completely fill our calendars? Of, or could we really have downtime? In a time of holy uncertainty, we can focus on what really counts in our lives. We have the opportunity to ask what was God doing in our lives during this horrible coronavirus season? How can we be more loving to those in need? How can we be more loving to our family? 
how can we be creative in being intentional about our relationships? You know, Pam's family, Pam's my wife, Pam's family now has a family Google Hangout online every Sunday afternoon. That never happened before between the five sisters and their children and spouses. Weekly, there are more contacts with the five sisters and their 94-year-old mother through virtual online or in dropping by to make sure she is okay since she lives alone. So how has God changed things in your lives? How has God been closer to you? Did you do anything intentional to encourage new healthy habits? Now, here's some challenging news in our Bible passage. For Joseph, the holy uncertainty continued after the uh, encounter with the angel. There was more stress and a, a feeling of lack of control. He then had to travel to Bethlehem with Mary, not knowing if he could find a safe place to stay. He was given a stable for Mary to give birth, not the most sanitized place. There could be animal waste there. Again, uncertainty seeped in. Then Herod the Great sent out an order to kill baby Jesus. More uncertainty. An angel told Joseph to flee for your lives. Go to Egypt. Even more uncertainty. I mean, like, Joseph saying, I don't speak Egyptian. Mary, do you speak Egyptian? Do they use euros? I don't know. Anyway, then after a while, when Herod died, an angel told Joseph it was okay to go back to Israel. So he did, but then he found out Archelaus, the son of evil Herod the king, and Herod the Great, was the new head person. And he was just as bad, if not worse than his father. More uncertainty. But then, in this holy uncertainty, an angel told Joseph to head for Nazareth and stay there to raise his son, Jesus. And that's how Jesus became known as Jesus of Nazareth. Wow, that was easy, pop quiz. Time and time again, in a moment of uncertainty, God intervened. And I believe that can happen to anyone if we just listen for his voice, for his daily directions of what we should do. Now, I want to close with two big suggestions of how to exist in a time of holy uncertainty. First, please try to continue or start the Ignatian Daily Examine. Now, I know, I know, this is probably like the fourth time I have mentioned it in my sermons, but it's an effective way to getting through this COVID season. It'll be healthy, spiritual, and holy. There are five steps. We've made them into an acronym to easily remember, as I believe this daily exam, if grafted into our souls or lives, it will make a major difference in our lives and save us during this pandemic. So to briefly go over it again, the acronym spells the word graft, for we want this to be grafted into our hearts and daily calendars. This will help us during the pandemic, no matter what you're going through, every day or night. You can begin with, first, G, give thanks. Think of every little thing you could be grateful for that happened that day. Daily thanking God, daily finding events for which you are thankful will really leak out a lot of the emotional poison in our uncertain lives. For each event you were thankful for, it shows that God was with you in that holy uncertainty. Think of every little incident, every little incident for which you could be thankful. You know, on the night I was writing this sermon 
and, and I came to this part of the sermon, I thought back during the day. I reviewed the day. And I was grateful for all these things, big and small. For like, I was grateful that there was leftover spaghetti that I could eat. That was big for me. Grateful for time to help uh, deliver food at our church to 1,000 families in the community and to see thankful faces. Grateful for the Hawaii Food Bank with whom we partnered. Grateful that my niece, Lan Lan, could drop over that day and we had a taco dinner together. Grateful that earlier I took my dog Max for a checkup on a recent surgery and all was well. And grateful for his veterinarian, Dr. Scott Harada, who is a member of our church, who with his wife Barbara even helps me with my gardening. Grateful for a staff meeting that day with Chris Pan, Chris Mashiba, and our new staff person, Kelly Miyamura, who will help us with the development of the former golf course. I could go on and on. There were probably at least 10 more things on that one Friday. Now, can you imagine if you got into the discipline of doing that every day? And I try to write these things down in my journal every day. My cup runneth over with gratitude. Then comes the letter R, and that stands for review. Self-explanatory, but I try to review the day hour by hour, which is the basis for listing thankful things but then also it helps in all of the next two steps. A is for apologize. As I review the day, hour by hour, is there someone I need to apologize to or do I need to apologize to God? Then the next letter is F for forgive. Is there someone I need to forgive or ask for forgiveness? And finally, T is for turn to God. Turn to God and give him all your anxieties. Turn to God and give him all your apprehensions during the time of holy uncertainty. I normally sleep very, very well when I do this. Put it all together and it spells the action word graft. It's the Ignatian daily examine when we examine our lives. Graft this discipline in your life and it will be transformed for the good. I rarely lose sleep in spite of all of the pressures at our church, but it also has to do with this second and final step to keep you holy in the midst of uncertainty. And that is find people who can remind you that Jesus is real and that he still is doing miracles here on earth and that he is really God. There is a fascinating story in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus' cousin, known as John the Baptist, is in prison in the fortress of Machairus. Caesar had earlier removed Archelaus, who I mentioned before, because he was going crazy paranoid and kept killing his family members and a lot of Jewish people too. So Antipas is now the new King Herod. And it's, it's, in this, it's this Herod who puts John in jail because his wife doesn't like John. John the Baptist is known to be one of the most faithful people in the world. He was a prophet. He predicted and confirmed that Jesus is the Messiah. He is also the blood cousin of Jesus. He was a spiritual giant in his time. But after being arrested and being put in prison for fabricated charges, the great John hit that moment of holy uncertainty. He was no longer sure if Jesus was God. He doubted. He was depressed. He was in despair. He had truly lost control of his life. 
No longer was he able to walk freely in the land and, and baptize people in the Jordan River. He was trapped in a dark dungeon of a cell and he was going to be executed. So it says this in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 11, second verse. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. And so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we look, keep looking for someone else? Ah, oh, right there. Do you feel the pathos of the situation? Do you feel God's pain? He is asking his disciples, is Jesus really the Messiah? Please ask Jesus for me because though I spoke with such certainty before and I even preached that before thousands, but now I am no longer certain. Now some of you watching this, even though you have been a Christian a long time, may have hit a time, or today is a time, of God, are you still there? Jesus, are, are you really the Messiah or should I look for another? And then we read this in the fourth verse. Jesus told them, talking to those, those disciples of John, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away from because of me. When we're at the point of when we doubt or we are overwhelmed with uncertainty about life or God, find people who can point you to the North Star when you feel lost. Find someone who can tell you about the miracles Jesus had brought here on earth. Find people who can testify about God's goodness. Find people and talk story with them over a coffee or a Zoom meeting and hear again how Jesus has made the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers cured, the deaf hear, and the dead raised to life, and good news is preached to the poor in spirit and those poor economically. I'm not kidding when I say this, but when I preached on this passage many years ago, when I read the words about I read the words to the congregation about Jesus making the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers cure, the deaf hear. Right at that moment, a woman named Jean Hood, who was deaf in one ear for 12 years, got healed the moment I said, the deaf hear. And she told me that she can still hear, even though I preached that sermon nearly 20 years ago. And so I say to you all today, you see, that Jesus really does that. He is real. He heals. And he can help you right now. And if you open up the package of a relationship with Jesus that he offers and daily express your gratitude to him, it will be the best Christmas gift you could ever have. And 
when, when Jesus mentioned those miraculous healings in that Bible passage, he really means miraculous healings continue to happen today. And when you hear him say, the dead will, the dead will be raised, you could kind of like poo-poo that, like, nah, doesn't happen. But I'm here to say that six times I prayed for people in a coma and they all eventually woke up. Now, I don't have any magical power. It's all Jesus. But you might be saying, but Dan, I am filled up with so much uncertainty about myself, about life, about God. How could God ever accept me after I confess my doubts? Jesus will be mad at me. No, he won't. And we know this from, from this passage. John the Baptist was once so courageous and was out in the wilderness preaching to many people, but now he's crumpled up in a prison, doubting and in despair. And how did Jesus respond to that? Did he get angry or disappointed or mad or say, how could you possibly doubt me? You're such a loser. I'm so disappointed. No, none of that. So let me just finish off the passage, okay? Go on to the seventh verse, and here's what it says. As John's disciples were leaving, <coughs> after they had asked him those questions, Jesus began talking about John to the crowds. And he's saying, hey, what kind of man did you see? Uh, did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he like this weak reed swayed by uh, every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man, says Jesus, to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Did you hear that? John, who had so many doubts, who even wondered if Jesus was really the Messiah, and who sent his disciples to ask Jesus if they should keep looking for someone else. This John, this doubting John, Jesus said, all who have ever lived on earth, none is greater than John the Baptist. Really? How can that be? And so what about us with our doubts? Can we rise to that kind of stature? And Jesus says, actually, you all may be even greater than John. What? For Jesus says, the least person in heaven, the least person in heaven will be greater than John. Jesus came to earth on Christmas to say, yes, believe in him. But did you hear the message today? He is saying, I believe in you. I believe in you in such a great extent that you can be greater than John, the greatest man who ever lived on earth. And as he had doubts, and you may have doubts, you can live a great life. 
And if we can grab a hold of that truth, or better yet, grab a hold of Jesus and hug him, then this Christmas will be the greatest Christmas of all time. And the Christmas movie of our life will be called It's a Wonderful Life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, if we're authentic and real with you, uh, this has been a hard season. This has been a hard year, 2020. We, all, we want to shut the door in the year and move on. And for a lot of us, it has been a time of uncertainty and a time of doubts, a time of loss, a time of despair, a time of shattered dreams. So Lord, we ask for your help. And as we've heard this message, may we turn a leaf to write a new chapter and, and say, okay, Lord, we're in. And in our uncertainty at times, we want it to be a holy time when we draw closer to you. And Lord, as I'm praying, there may be somebody here in Hawaii or maybe they're in the mainland or another country and they're saying, man, who is this Jesus? And I want to be in. And Lord, if there are people there who say, I would like to commit my life to this Jesus who takes me as I am and believes in me and will help me and I in turn will try to follow him with the best of my ability, then Lord, may they just say in the silence of their hearts, Lord, I'm in. And I'll do my best to follow you. And maybe in humble hearts they're saying, gee, Lord, sorry, it's taken so long. But um, thank you for hearing my prayers and for loving me and please come on in my life. And I pray that the Holy Spirit's going into their lives right now. So Lord, thank you for this time. And may we follow you to the best of our abilities and be all in. In Christ's name, amen. You know, if by chance, if you said that prayer, um, I, I, it's just nice to kind of make that commitment with somebody knowing. And so if, if you want to hit that, I committed my life to Jesus button that's on your screen, just do that right now and, and uh, someone will come along and, and might um, pray with you in a nice, confidential, gentle way. And it would really be a great way to begin the journey because, as Jesus said, you need to find people who can go and tell you what they've seen and heard of how Christ is real. So I hope you do that. And if you just need prayer, hit the I, I would like prayer uh, button and uh, someone will, again, um, join you and in a confidential way uh, pray with you. Hey, before um, I give the final blessing, I just want to remind you that if you want to discuss further uh, about this message or about the service, uh, we have these connect groups. And you just hit the button that's on your screen, and uh, right after the service, you'll be put in these connect groups. It's a great way to meet new friends or meet some good old friends. And, uh, and just also, if you want to go a little deeper, uh, about the message and talk about that. And hey, I want to also mention that in just a few days, December 23, 24, are our Christmas Eve services. We have two services on each 
uh, day, uh, 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. And it will be all online, and we hope you can see that. We've been working really hard on it, and we think it'll be fun, celebratory, and it'll be a wonderful way to kind of close out um, a difficult year. But hopefully there'll be some hope uh, for you, and you'll be rejuvenated. And now, here's another way to get rejuvenated. Here's my final blessing, so please accept this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart how God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit really, really love you and have done all they could to show you his love. May you feel their presence and their peace. In Christ's name, amen. Ahui ho, Merry Christmas. It's not only during Christmas that we receive great gifts. If we have Jesus, we have the greatest gift every day. And it's His presence that will get us through our trials. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at the Vine in Kaka'ako. But during this COVID season, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 for First Pres and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. And if you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you. Merry Christmas, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.